All right, welcome to the How to Write a Book podcast. In today's episode, we are interviewing Catherine Benfanti, who is the science fiction author of Scattered. Um, Time traveling, romance, lots of amazing, gosh, chemistry, physics, um, so cool. It was awesome to talk with Catherine about the process of writing this kind of book, you know, when you need to talk about logistics, um, you know, actual facts, things that make sense, but that are part of, you know, a fictional novel. And also a little bit about her process with publishing. Um, So it was a great conversation, loved it. And also the warmth of it was amazing. So let's go ahead and dive in. Welcome to the How to Write a Book podcast, the show that helps you plan, write, and publish your book, even if you're a beginner or just feel like one. Now, for your host, she's written over a dozen books and helps others bring their books to life. Here she is, Maciel. Hey there, writers. Let's take a beat to talk about a special announcement. So November is your month of transformation. Get a one hour coaching session with me by choosing one of these three options or all three. Option one, join our Patreon for $1, which will support the show. Option two, book a $1 coaching session on coach.me. Option three, leave an Apple podcast review. Send a screenshot to my email and get a coaching spot. You can do all three and get three hours of coaching with me. Find all the links in the show notes. Act fast. This offer is only valid for November to celebrate National Novel Writing Month. Thanks. All right, and welcome back to the How to Write a Book podcast. I'm your host, Maciel Valenzuela-Castaneda, and today we have Catherine Benfanti. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on tonight. Definitely, definitely. Thank you so much. And um, I, first of all, I love your name, by the way. Where's the origin of your name? Uh, well, my first name is uh, British, I think. Um, there's versions of Catherine in every language. Uh, but Benfanti is Italian, Sicilian to be exact. It oh. means good soldier, I think. Oh, that's tight. That's really cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thanks everyone for joining us today. We have a lovely science fiction author, Catherine Benfonti, with us, who you are the author of Scattered, which is coming out soon. Of course, we're going to talk about that. Um, and you live in New Jersey with your family, and you also authored other short fiction pieces. Catherine, I know that was just a little bit about you, but I'm excited to dive in. Can you please introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. Um, That's a good introduction. Thank you. Um, So, yes, I do live in New Jersey, uh, and I have a little reading and writing nook in our our house. It is – it's a nice little uh, dormer window. My writing desk is there, and I really love writing. I was one of those people who just – overachieved in all my writing assignments when I was a kid, like writing a 60-page story when I was in sixth grade, um, when I was only supposed to write 10 pages. And pretty much every English teacher ever since then told me, you should be a writer, you should be a writer. And I enjoyed writing ever since then. And um, it's not exactly the career path I took, but now I, I am a writer. I started out writing, actually scattered the, the book that I um, I have uh, out 
very recently, um, the science fiction book. That was the first book I finished, but it was not the first book that I started writing. And I've written a couple ones since then, um, but I didn't get anything published until I, like you said, I started writing uh, flash fiction with our local writers group here um, where we meet once a month and we just write small pieces. And I said, well, I should kind of submit these into journals and um, small publications. And I did, and some were accepted, uh, which blew my mind that people would be interested. Yeah, but it was it was great. I love reading what other people write in that that form that's, you know, something from 500 words to uh, 1,000 words. And it's it is it's a very compact sort of piece of writing it has to pack a lot of punch, um, which is good practice for writers. And so I got some of those published, and then I got a debut actual full length novel. Finally, got it published this year. So yeah, it was kind of, kind of a brief window. Yeah, I love that. And and my apologies, I said um, that scattered was coming up. You know, I blinked. I thought we were in January. For oh. It's already November. <laughs> Almost Christmas. I was like, in this that brief moment that I looked at your book and I was like, oh yeah, we're in January. It's coming out this year. I'm like, wow. Nope. It's been, it's been two months already, actually. Yeah, two months. It came out in August. Amazing. Congratulations. Tell us, tell us Thank all you. about your launch. How did it go? Thank you. Um, it was actually a whirlwind. And it was, it came at me all of a sudden. I was, um, I, I'd signed a contract earlier this year with a, a hybrid publisher, Silversmith Press, and it started off really slowly. And then we were, we were, we had the manuscript pretty much set. I had some edits to do. And then we were waiting to get cover design, working through the cover slowly. And I had some ideas on things that I wanted to do for a launch. And, it was it's my debut so i really actually had no idea what i was doing i was i was really relying on the publisher for help and it is a small outfit um which helps and in some ways doesn't help because doing a launch really really takes a team in a lot of ways and all of a sudden but you know one day it was may and then the next it was august 28th the launch day and there were so many things that I, I wanted to do, and there's just not enough hours in a day, especially if you're, like, I'm a mom with two young kids, two kids in elementary school, so, you know, between running a household and trying to get a book published, it was really busy, but it was it was exciting, you know. Um, I had a glass of champagne that night to cap it all off. That was wonderful, um, but just get, trying to get books into people's hands, for reviews and trying to spread the word. It, it was busy. Um, yeah, it was busy. It was exciting, though. It was, it's, it's a surreal thing. I still can't believe it. I see someone holding my book, and I think, wow, that, that that's mine. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, I love that. Congratulations. That is – I think that's really the feeling that a lot of writers go for. It's like, oh, my gosh, that book, that book is mine. You know? Yes. <laughs> it's the moment. Yeah, you chase it for years, and then when it finally happens – it's just that it happens in a blink and then and then you're over this fence and then and then and then it's a whole nother world you never even thought of. Yeah. Right? Exactly. The after. 
the after, right? The the you before and the you after, which which I would love to talk about. But before <laughs> we get into um, you before publishing journey, your hybrid publishing journey, I would love to to just take a pause and talk about your book. A very interesting premise. Would you mind sharing with everyone? You know, what is your book about? Sure, sure. Um, so it's called it's called Scattered, and it is a science fiction novel, and it has elements of uh, obviously there's science in it I like to say that I put the science in science fiction it has a heavy dose of physics in it which I really enjoy my background is actually mechanical engineering and I studied at McGill University in Montreal and the book takes place in Montreal uh not because I just really like the city and I you know wanted to write what I know but because it incorporates actual historical figures in it it incorporates um the life of Ernest Rutherford, who was one of the most famous physicists and accomplished physicists in history, um, and the experiments that he did at McGill, and his daughter. And I just, on a whim, one day wondered, what would happen if this physicist had a daughter and she got caught in a science experiment, an experiment in his physics lab, and she got transported in time 100 years in the future from the early 1900s, in this case, specifically 1906, to 2006 and this idea just came at me in a flash and so the book is a story of her traveling to modern Montreal and then you know she's distraught and she wants more than anything to go back home because you know she loves her family but then she also has to survive in a modern environment which is completely disorienting and she makes this sort of fake life for herself and she pretends to sit in classes all the while trying to figure out how to get back home. And then she kind of discovers, hey, this life is compelling. There are a lot of opportunities 100 years later that I didn't know that there were. And um, she meets a graduate physics student and, you know, he's a pretty nice guy. And um, so there's, a, there's, there's tension there. And he eventually helps her to attempt to recreate this physics experiment that um, sent her forward in the future. Um, but, you know, finds out he kind of likes her and won't admit it. And, you know, there's there's some relationship tension in there, but it's 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 very clean. And, um, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of science in there. But I hope I tried to make it so it's not daunting. You know, if you're a physicist, it's pretty light. But if you're not a physicist, you might think, oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of science in there. But I, I try to make it very interesting. I have had a lot of good feedback about that. Everyone loves the book that I've read that has told me so. Oh, that's great. I'm, I'm excited to, to talk about how you look at you like plotting and, and, um, things like, well, he wants to jump into it. So, so you have a lot of, a lot of, um, information that you need to share, a lot of technical information. And now see, like, I'm, I come from a background of like, well, okay, well, I do come from a technical background, but the software, but I don't add that into my novels because I'm like, oh, this isn't actually, I want to do science, uh, fantasy, fantasy, dragons, witches, stuff like that. So I never added into my novel. So I'm so curious. How did you start with your plot and integrate the tech and the physics of this? Oh, a lot of research. Honestly, um, I had to do a lot of research for the characters themselves, which ended up being a lot of fun. And I read a lot of biographies of Ernest Rutherford, which the more I read, the more I was fascinated by the time period that he lived in, which was the golden age of physics. And I read a lot about 
the experiments that he did and just things that I never knew happened. All the things, um, for example, at that time they were learning about, they were discovering radioactive decay and basically how elements change into other elements as they emit radiation. And this was just, I mean, it was blasphemous to say this out loud back then because you'd be called, you know, like an alchemist, basically. But it was discovering, literally discovering the periodic table. And Mm -hmm. these facts, you know, they were elementary to us now, but at the time they were just revolutionary. So I tried to take it piece by piece and incorporate it um, in like bite-sized chunks in a way. And, um, you know, because I'm not a physicist, I mean, I'm an an engineer, so I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not an idiot, (laughs) but I'm not a physicist. Physicists are like a class above scientists, you know, in the scientific food chain, I feel like physicists are at the top. So, um, since I'm not one of them, I feel like I could describe it in an approachable way. But having a good grasp of the information really helps to parse it into readable language, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think most of us, after watching like the Big Bang Theory, I think most of us put, put a physicist up there. <laughs> All the different class of people. I can't understand that. That's amazing. I love that. I love that. So um, what kind of outlining process did you do? I mean, you have a lot of research. Outlining. Ooh. Uh, yeah, good question. I, f- for this, I definitely, um, I wrote an outline, but I was not very dedicated, um, very structured in terms of, character arc and plot points. I, I I almost feel like I did it seat of my pants and mm. I definitely did outline it because I knew where I wanted to go but I didn't follow a structure that I've followed since then. Everything I've written since then I've been I've made sure that I've have my my hook and I have my inciting incident and I have my reaction and my first plot point, all that, my midpoint, and I plot it out very specifically and I plan out where my characters are going and what they're learning and how they're growing and whatnot. This book, it was more that I plotted all of these story points. And I I think that was because I, I think I, I write really character driven fiction. I feel like it worked for this and I think it does work for any character driven fiction yeah I I didn't use like a scientifically uh, you know proven plot that a lot of you know you'll read on blogs that you know follow this plan I didn't do that but I did write out where I wanted everything to go I think, and I think that's really, I mean, so many writers, you know, they think they're, they're a plotter and they end up being a pantser and they're a pantser. They're actually a plotter and everything in between, everything outside of it. So, I mean, that's mm-hmm. the cool thing is that you don't know about your process until you actually go into your process. You know, that's true. And you can do different books differently, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, some projects will call for that, that structure because they need it. And then it's, or other folks are like, the characters are like, nope, nope, we're going. Back yeah. Or other directions. Yeah, you yeah. have to listen to your characters. The more you know them, that's so true. Yeah, and so you said that you're you're very character focused, which I am also character focused. Um, but I'm curious, where does your sources of inspiration come from? My source. Uh, well, I think when you have a relaxed mind, the the ideas can come. Uh, I think 
I feel like more than ever, we live really busy lives. And if you are so focused on your activities, it's hard to let the creativity in. Um, but I find that when I'm driving someplace, I get a lot of good ideas. And when I'm, when I'm in the shower, you know, like soaping up your hair, you're only thinking about that. You're not really thinking about your to-do list. I find like I get really good ideas. The idea for Scattered came while I was washing the dishes and staring out the kitchen window. Um, I think that's the best place, but also sometimes listening in on conversations, um, not in a creepy way, but sometimes you can hear, I mean, <laughs> you don't want to be weird about it, but you can hear really interesting turns of phrases or just interesting stories that people are talking about. Like, for instance, earlier today, um, I was at a, a gymnastics place and my, my two girls were in a gymnastics class and the parents were in the waiting room and I was, I was actually working on my current work in progress. So I was typing away and two parents were talking to the left of me and they were telling some story about, you know, fighting a fire at, at some, some other complex of buildings. And I was, you know, the thought occurred to me, wow, this could be like an interesting story idea. <laughs> and so I actually have a word file on my computer and I write down all these interesting, like, what if this happens? Could this happen? Those kind of things. I have like a list of 40 of them. So, you know, if I'm ever short of, well, I don't know what to write next. So I'll just go to that file and pick what looks best for the moment. Love that. I love that. Actually, I, I used to keep a file. This was before the pandemic. I when, Whenever I go to cafes, I had a file that I would, like, go ahead and, and write in some dialogue. I haven't actually really been out. I mean, I have been out, but, like, I don't not as much as I used to. Right. Strange stuff. I remember looking at it a long time ago, and there was a piece on there about, like, bodies. Like, I guess I was listening to two people talk about, like, dead bodies <laughs> oh wow and I didn't know what the context was and I was like what is what are they talking about so I wrote it down and I, I remember in the cafe I think they were like really like young people like you know like maybe young adults I was like what could they possibly have taught what's on their minds right now you know you could take that anywhere now That's yeah great. and I was like this is so juicy um but That's yeah I know, right? I know. I was just like, still that one. <laughs> Go ahead. Do it. Run with Thank it. You. And especially with your background, I'm sure it's going to be something that's very, like, technical, but very cool at the same time, you know. So I love that. I love that. Um, so actually, I wanted to ask you, of course, I want to talk about your hybrid publishing. Can you tell me, how did you get into that? Good question. Um, I I knew vaguely about hybrid publishing um last year i took a i listened in on a webinar well i paid for it um through jane friedman who is an excellent source on writing i've taken a lot of good um webinars through her and it was about hybrid publishing and i think it was like owl press or something the woman who was there and she described it and i thought wow um this is an interesting avenue because I had tried to get Scattered published for a long time. I think I first started in 2015, and I was pitching it the traditional route, and I was pitching it not as a science fiction novel because I didn't understand that it was science fiction. And it was totally my fault, but I was I pitched it as new adult. It, it was an idiotic move. I'll just admit it. So I deserved the rejections that I got, <laughs> but it's still disheartening, right? And I considered yeah. self-publishing, and meanwhile, I was working on other things, other projects. And I, um, so learning about different routes, I wasn't sure quite what I wanted to do. And the process, the prospect of self-publishing to me is 
enticing because you get a lot of freedom and you can control your own destiny. But to me, that's a really big leap. I'm not really, I don't know if I have that full entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit, pardon me. So I saw an opportunity for hybrid publishing um, at a pitch fest with Savvy Authors, which is a website online. I, I, I like them. Take taking a couple of webinars to them too. But they had this pitch fest, and there were one or two hybrid presses in there. So I thought, what the heck? I'll just go for it. Um, I'd almost given up on this project, actually on this manuscript, and I pitched it to uh, a press there. And I won't say their name, but they – they wanted to read the full. And I'd never gotten a request for a full before. So this is pretty exciting, number one. Um, so I sent it to them, and the editor there the editor there liked it, and they offered me a contract. And this was at the beginning of this year. And I looked, um, I looked into them, and I was just not sure. I also – I was going through, like, a health issue at the time, just a freak thing. I had just gotten out of the hospital, and I was not – in a headspace to sign a contract, you know, you're recovering and all you can think about is like, you know, recovering and you don't really want to make a business decision. So I declined them, which for better or worse, that happened. And then my uh, totally out of the blue, I found out about another hybrid press. My sister was published um, with a nonfiction book and she said, you, you know, sh- you should check out them. They were, they had done nonfiction for a while. Silversmith Press had a really good reputation and I had been following them for a little while. I've seen their covers. They looked really good and they had a couple of, um, you know, Amazon bestsellers and in their categories. So I, um, I approached them. And they had like a like a webinar, like get to know us kind of webinar. So got in touch with the publisher and she was interested. And so um, went back and forth and they offered me a contract. So that happened. Yeah, it was it was very, very random. It, it was very unexpected. But I knew that this was the path that I wanted to take because you you there are benefits, which you I mean, you know, you you get a little more control. Um, you get a lot more control. You get to say yes or no to things that in the traditional publishing world, you just have to take. Like you may not like your title or your cover if you're yeah. traditional, you know, one of the big five or a big imprint. But with hybrid publisher, you oftentimes can say, no, I want it this way. And you can do that. It's your product. Yes. And um, even if you have a great, fantastic story, but it's not, you know, to market right now, you know, your book might not be seen if you go through the traditional route, you know, and there's pros and cons to both, you know, which is like, I think is always, you know, it's really depending on, on the writer, which I think you hit on very well. Um, and I'm curious, like, I would love for people to also know what hybrid publishers can do for them. So you talked about how um, they were doing more of the production. Um, can you tell us like what that relationship was for you? So you signed the contract and then what happened? Mm-hmm. So it is, I mean, so <clears throat> first and foremost, hybrid publishing is, it's a trade-off. You, you, in, you invest in yourself. Um, that's a nice way of saying that you pay up front. Um, and, but it is just, in my mind, it's just like if you're self-publishing and you're paying for these costs yourself. You're doing the same thing with 
a hybrid press um, in exchange for higher royalties. I will say that, you know, typically you get 50% royalties versus 10, 20% max with a traditional traditional publisher. So that's the benefit there. But um, you, yeah, what was I saying? You, you, when you sign with them, you are paying for, you're investing in yourself, but you're paying for their expertise too. It's a lot. You get a lot more support. You get support that you don't get when you're self-publishing, right? And for for me, with Silver Smith Press, you get distribution. They're distributed through Simon and Juicer, so your books are available everywhere, and that is a huge perk because if you're self-publishing, you just don't get that. You might be published, you know, on Amazon or Kindle Unlimited, or maybe you're going to go another route, but it's very limited. So you're you you reap the benefits of signing with a, a known publisher. So to me, that was kind of the best of both worlds. That's how I see it. Love that. I love that. I'm happy so far. Yeah. And so, um, so you sign with them. They start to, to understand your work. Did they do an editorial pass on Scattered? Yes. Yes. Sorry, I didn't answer your question um, directly there. Um, yes, yeah, so the process was uh, sign a contract, and then it went through a developmental editor. So that was the first editing pass. And then he had overall feedback, which I incorporated. And then the, the publisher wanted me to also send my book with some beta readers, which I had done in an earlier step, to be honest. But <clears throat> her... I had gone with other writers before, mm-hmm. and you get the publisher had suggested you should get a beta reader. Five, she said, hopefully five readers. I got four, um, and send it to people who will read your book, not writers, because they will have totally different feedback than writers. And it it was a it was such a game changer. I can't even I can't even express how beneficial this was because there were people who I knew would be my target art audience, so to speak. They were the people who would buy my book and they told me, you know, this, this character had no resolution at the end. I was hoping for this happy ending for them and it wasn't there. You, you know, you need to add this in this part or, um, you know, they spent a lot of time together here, but in, in these chapters, they were apart, and it just, like, the ball dropped there. They had different, you know, the reader expectations are so different than a writer expectations. You see things through a different lens. So that was fantastic tip. I just recommend that to everyone, regardless of what path you take. That's a good tip. Um, but so when we got through that, I made corrections, um, did another pass. It must have been my 10,000th edit on this manuscript. Um, and then the publisher sent it to, like, a line editor. Um, and so then I, you know, I don't know how many corrections there were there. Uh, a lot of them were repeated, but it, was, it felt like thousands. Um, so when we got through that, then the manuscript was sent for, um, like a proof, you know, um, like a, what's it, what do you call it? I guess it is a proof copy, a layout. That's what mm-hmm. it is. And so then I got to look through it again. I mean, and I went through with, the most eagle eyes that I could summon to mm-hmm. find things like strange spacing and, um, you know, paragraphs that ended, you know, with one line on the next page, like that kind of stuff. And then the last, last, um, you know, typos that you could find. Um, and while that was getting done, the cover designer was 
working on a cover and I got to go through must have been like three passes on that. I got to provide a lot of feedback and I really got to get what I wanted, which was fantastic. And the cover designer, I mean, I, I couldn't have, I didn't say, Oh, I want this person here and this there and that there. I gave a feel. The cover designer came back with something that, you know, I couldn't have, couldn't have dreamed of anything better. So that was great. That's good. I'm curious, what kind of comments did you have for the cover designer? Like, um, maybe overall or initially, like, what was that process like? That's a good question. Um, you know, it's only been a few months, but somehow I've I've forgotten the <laughs> exact details. <laughs> so much has happened then. Um, I think I explained the main characters. That was key because my main main character, she is a Victorian woman. Mm-hmm. She's twenty. So, yeah, she's a woman. Um, and we talked a lot back and forth about what a Victorian woman actually wears because it's very different depending on the class of, of the person. And then we talked about the setting because half of it's in 1906 and half of it's in 2006. So we talked about maybe incorporating that. And then so this book has time travel. And um, a lot of books have clocks on the cover when they're – when there, it's a time travel book, and I, I was very adamant that you know that was too on the nose for me. I didn't want to didn't want a clock. I wanted something to evoke this sense of, uh, you know, of her being in, in in two different places kind of thing. That would be really cool. And I I was really I really wanted there to be an atom on the front or some kind of representation of science. And so the designer did a great job, I think, behind the title. There's um, like an ad, there's a nucleus and a cloud of electrons and then like sort of frequency overlaid. And it just it looks it screams like science experiment gone right, gone awry time portal. So he took those ideas and, and ran with it like overall theme kind of thing. I love that. That's very cool. All right. So then you do your cover and you launch your book. Let's talk about the author before publishing and author after publishing. So who is Catherine before and after? Well, mostly the same person. Uh, let's see. I st- still do my laundry. Um, no one's driving me anywhere. Uh, no one's booking my media appointments. So I'm, I'm definitely the same person. <laughs> Um, yeah, the only difference is my bookshelf is, you know, one book heavier, which is superb. It's the best place, best place to be. Oh, I love that. Um, I don't know. I, I might be a little more confident. I think what really surprised me is that people actually liked the book. And I know that might sound really idiotic, but it is a hor- it's a horrible feeling to put your book out there. I was around the launch and for probably a week afterward, I just felt like I wanted to throw up all day because I was so nervous that people would hate my book. And these, the people who knew about it mostly at first were people that I knew and that people, people that I would see the next day at, you know, at my kid's school or in church or like anywhere. And I would run into them. What if they hated it? And I would, I was, really just filled with nerves and I was also just I was also hopeful I mean it wasn't all bad but once people read it and they said wow I couldn't I couldn't put it down or I someone said I loved every page I I did the nerves went away and I felt a relief that okay if one person likes it 
I feel a lot better. I've done something. I've added a book to the library of libraries that people read from. So I felt validated and it's kind of, it's kind of silly to be validated by a book, but it's, your creative output is really important because you're putting yourself out there in such a public way. So yeah, that it gave me some confidence and a feeling that, okay, yeah, I'm not, I'm not just writing some stuff, not just typing whatever. I'm writing something meaningful and people are, it's resonating with people. They're responding to it. So yeah, that was, that was definitely a life changer there. I love that. I love that. Still waiting for the one star review though to come through. That's gonna just crush me, but it hasn't happened yet. So that troll, that person who's like looking for books, you know, they're like, well, what books did I not put a one star on today? You know. Oh. <laughs> um, I had a quick question. I, I know I'm kind of jumping back, but talking about beta readers, I do encourage beta readers on the show, and I was curious, how did you find your beta readers? So you, they're they're people who they're you're a deal reader. Yes. Um, did you go to like Goodreads? Did you hire them? How did you go about that? Uh, so the first, very first beta reader I had was through a critique match, actually, and it was through the Savvy Authors website, and that that was reader. That was sorry, that was writer. That was another writer. And when I was looking in the second round, once I had signed with the publisher, there were people that I knew, people that. I knew were just voracious readers and they were friends. Um, two of them, yeah, two of them were friend readers. One was a librarian at my library and she's my age and I always see her Facebook feed. Every month she posts her lists of books that she's read and it's like nine books. She's a superhuman reader. So I said, Ooh, you're great for this. And she thankfully agreed. And the other two were um, men that, were friends with my husband and I knew they were big readers too, because I wanted to see if males would like this book too. Mm. Um, I figured male, uh, females would be my target audience. Turns out that's mostly true, but less true than I anticipated. So I'm glad that I had two male beta readers as well, just to give me some perspective um, and just to see how different things landed, like the male dialogue, um, which I thought I had a pretty good handle on. Having studied and worked in a man's world, I thought that I thought that I knew what I was doing, um, and thankfully I did pretty much. But I did get some different feedback from from the guys than than the women that I knew, so that was helpful. Nice. Oh, very cool. I love that. It's it's so. Um, you you described it well. It's a game changer because mm-hmm. when you're in the silo, it's not. Not just that it's only your eyes, so obviously you still need perspective, but I think also the cheerleader part of the book needs to come in. You know, you're in your silo, and Mm -hmm. if you're talking to yourself the wrong way, you might not push yourself to get the book out there. But if you have beta readers, you can hear those bits of encouragement of like, wow, I like this, or, oh, just push this a little bit more. That's true. Yeah. You know, that was probably one of the biggest game changes for me was like, oh, if I actually share it with somebody, you know, maybe I'll, maybe yeah. I'll go further, you know. That is true because most beta readers do give you mostly positive feedback. Yeah. I mean, because they're not going to be really mean and only pick out the problems, right? They will 
give you some compliments. So yeah, that's a that's a boost of confidence for any writer, I think. Yeah. It's a good step, you're right. Yeah, no, that's, I'm really glad that you, you brought that up. It's like, oh yeah, if that's how obviously it's morale in there. Mm-hmm. Um, now you did mention earlier a work in progress. So is that like a secret or did you what's going on there? Yes. Uh it's not a secret. I I hope it will come to fruition. It's um it's a science fiction novel again. It's a future it's a future anti utopian novel. Ooh. And it has a lot of um discussion about societal societal changes and the role of government and how a society uh, anyway, it's, it's just a totally different picture of society. Um I think it's it, my aim is maybe like 2170 about that it's set 2180 so it's pretty far in the future which is hard to conceive of um when you're not so like most books i feel like they're set in the future are like space travel and such i'm not going into space uh, it's definitely another character driven novel and i i hope i don't know maybe 40 percent through with it i hope it it sits well i i need some beta readers to tell me what they think to be honest because it's it's pretty different just in its setting, not in that it's it's not like a James Joyce weirdo book, but it's, uh, <laughs> no offense to him. But uh, yeah, it's it's anti utopians are are I feel like can be love it or hate it, but yeah. But there's also a lot of science in it because I'm I'm incorporating some like medical things oh. in it, medical uh, like considerations and, and health and such. So that's it's just cool. fun. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm excited. Well, whenever you, you definitely, whenever you finish that, let us know. Come back on the show. We'll talk about it. I'm mean, sure, sure. <laughs> I hope it happens. I, I like it so far. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so we're actually, we're almost close to wrapping out here. Um, and you know, it's funny because this time went actually really fast. I had some notes of like, what else we're going to talk about, you know, but no, I mean, we're going over before we do wrap out. Of course, I want people to be able to find you, find your amazing book scattered. Um, where can people find you and then also find your next, your next work in progress? Super. Thank you so much for asking. Um, I do have a website. It is katherinebenfonti.com and that is uh, K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. Spelled the traditional way. Um, my last name is B E N F A N T E, and it's a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> so I have my books on there. Um, you can also look for Scattered on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Bookshop.org and anywhere you can find books. And if you're in New Jersey, Northern New Jersey, and you're in a local bookshop, there's a good chance Scattered will be there. Uh, if not now, soon. <laughs> Working on that. We have great local bookshops around here. Oh, I love uh, that news on there. And I do on my website, I have a newsletter. And if you sign up, you get a four chapter prequel to Scattered, which is pretty fun. And there's lots of fun um, extras that I put in my newsletters, too. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's so great. I I love local uh, bookstores. Oh, my gosh. I feel like they're, like, becoming extinct around me where I am. You know, I'm like, it's harder for me to find one. And I'm like, where are you? Oh, we yeah. just got a new one open up near us, so it surprised me. So I'm hoping they're on the upswing. 
I'm crossing my fingers. I'm trying to support this one. Keep it going. Yeah. You, you know, you brought a bookshop. I love bookshop because you can kind of like find like specific bookshops that you would want to support, but they're not in your area. Yeah. You know? Good point. I love that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this bookshop in Tennessee exists. I'm in California. So I can't, can't go over there, but I can get a book. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. That is such a great idea. I just, I never thought of doing that besides our, my own, you know, bookshop five miles away. But yeah, that's, that's a really good idea. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. We're going to wrap out, but Catherine Benfonti, author of Scattered, as well as other short works, we're excited for your next work in progress. Um, and from the How to Write a Book podcast, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate you and your time. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Definitely. And that's a wrap for today's episode of the How to Write a Book podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. If you want to keep up with me and my work, check out the website, blackheartedstudios.com. That's www.blackheartedstudios.com. And follow me on Instagram, at Maciel Writes. That's at M-A-S-S-I-E-L Writes. As a book coach and publisher, I'm passionate about helping aspiring authors bring their stories to life. So if you've been dreaming of writing a book and don't know where to start, head to my website and let's chat. You get a free 30 minutes on me. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks.